0: Paul thanks for joining me for another episode um, I wanted to speak with you a little bit and ask you your thoughts on what's going on at cop 27 uh, see if you know there's anything coming out of that so far that gave you any reason for encouragement <laughs> do
1: you want to, what do you want to start right now
0: <laughs> yeah sure sure uh, wow well, uh, there's nothing
1: that has given me any encouragement at all. I believe that John Kerry has said that the cost to addressing uh, climate change is uh, more than any country can handle or all countries together can handle, so they're acknowledging how expensive it is. But COP27 is just like the other 26 COP uh, conferences that went before it, which is just really, as Greta Thunberg said, blah, 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 blah. They talk a lot, but uh, not much is being done.
0: Yeah. And I I saw something where, you know, the United States had pledged a a lot of money to other nations internationally to help them with some of the impacts that uh, climate change has caused, you know, such as, you know, rising ocean levels and everything. And that, you know, the money just hasn't shown up, that they've made all these promises from past years, and, and they haven't followed through with any of them. And yet, at this conference, they're making more promises. Um, President Biden recently uh, was talking about rallying, uh, I think, 130 other countries to sign the global methane pledge. I don't, I don't see what good it does if if no one's going to follow through with what they're talking about.
1: Well, the problem is is that uh, the countries that have are putting up money. Now, the countries that have not, uh, a lot of them are very corrupt, so a lot of that money disappears. And the other problem is the countries that have not are now put into a bind where they have to develop, uh, you know, resources like uh, petroleum extraction, whatever, build pipelines like they're doing in Tanzania, for example. Um, and uh, so there's really doesn't seem to be a solution here. And there certainly isn't going to be a solution, uh, you know, with the the things that are happening right now.
0: Yeah, well, the other thing that that I saw is that the U.S. passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which they're trying to reduce greenhouse gases by up to forty percent by the year twenty thirty. Again, any any thoughts that this might help, or is it all just uh, just more talking?
1: Well, I think it's a little too late and uh, too little. I mean, by twenty thirty, I mean most of the damage is well, most of the damage has already been done all, already. Right. I mean. The, Let's take a look at COP27. First of all, it's being sponsored by Coca-Cola, which gives you an uh, idea that uh, or an understanding of how corporations have taken this over. Second of all, it's being held in Egypt. And one of the things I find really incredibly bizarre is that one of the the motto that uh, Egypt is telling young people is, you can speak truth to power. This is in a country where 75,000 young people are in prison right now for speaking truth to power, and uh, it's very well policed. Uh, this where this conference is happening. You know, on the road into the conference, your people's laptops are being looked at, their phones are being looked at, and uh, you know, there's uh, they already tore down one uh, exhibit because it was. Um, uh, insulting uh, according to the Egyptian government. It was insulting to the Egyptian government. So, I just don't see anything coming out of this a- at all.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, I guess it's it's much ado about nothing then. Um, hopefully we can find another way.
1: Well, if we don't find uh, another way, then uh, the laws of nature will find a way for us because uh, things are going to be uh, collapsing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the Thwaith Glacier in... Uh, in, in Antarctica collapses, it's going, we're going to certainly see the impact of that. That's going to raise uh, ocean, uh, water, ocean levels anywhere between 2 and 10 feet. We don't really know yet. Uh, it depends on how much of, the, uh, of that glacier ends up in, in the ocean.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, Paul, I wanted to uh, transition and ask you about Sea Shepherd Australia specifically because it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're still technically on the board of Sea Shepherd Australia, but they're not really uh, acknowledging your existence. Is that kind of where things are?
1: Yes, I'm still on the board of Sea Shepherd Australia. However, I'm not allowed to comment on uh, any of the socials. I've been uh, actually blocked from even seeing Sea Shepherd Australia's Facebook page. And uh, I think that they're a little afraid of dismissing me or firing me for the board because they've already had a quite a backlash from their supporters in Australia who uh, are very upset with the way things are are happening. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a strange position. I expect at some point, they're going to dismiss me from the Australian board, but uh, right now they haven't made that move.
0: So, and and the reason I bring it up, Paul, is because, you know, our our podcast is is growing and, and a lot of people are tuning in and of the top 10, uh, cities, where people are downloading the podcast to listen. Uh, Many of them are in Australia. Uh, The number one city for downloads is Sydney. The next one's Melbourne and then Brisbane. Those are the top three. And then Perth is is not too far behind. So I do think a lot of people in Australia would, would like to know what is really going on. And if the folks at Sea Shepherd Australia are sort of just kind of keeping their mouth uh, shut so that people don't know what's going on. I think it would be helpful for them to understand the situation.
1: Well, I think the strategy is uh, from the directors of Sea Shepherd Global and the directors of Sea Shepherd Australia is to not say anything and to not respond. Mm-hmm. They're not responding to the media either. Uh, they just, it's like everything's going to go uh, blow blow over and everybody's going to forget the, the problem. And uh, but it's more you know it's not really about me about dismissing me from Sea Shepherd it's about changing the entire course of what of what Sea Shepherd has been to where they want it to go and a good example of that is this week the uh, Bob Barker one of our more most legendary vessels is um, heading to Turkey right now it's in the waters off of Turkey and uh, its destination is a scrapyard in Izmir in Turkey. And they they want to scrap the vessel, which to me really illustrates the difference between the way Sea Shepherd is now and the way it was before. I never scrapped a vessel. You know, these vessels, what an ignoble end to just bring it to the scrapyard. You know, I retired two vessels in Canada and I used them in campaigns. We went into the Gulf of St. Lawrence and uh, to focus on the Canadian seal hunt, to bring attention to the fact that Europe was passing a bill to ban uh, seal products. And so we created this, uh, you know, controversy, this drama in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. I knew that the Canadian government would seize our ship and they did exactly that and then they fined me $75,000 and when i refused to pay they said well then you can't have your ship and i said you're welcome to it <laughs> and so it became their responsibility and that ended up into be quite a fiasco because after a year and extra running up a cost of over a million dollars in birth age and security. They auctioned it off for $5,000 to this guy who then he ran up a bill of $65,000 and it was seized again and then auctioned again to another guy. And uh, he uh, r- ran up a bill and in fact ended up sinking the boat on dockside which cost the Canadian government another million dollars to, to refloat it. And then finally it was taken off to and scrapped in Halifax by the Canadian government at their costs. We did the same thing in 92 with the Sea Shepherd 2 on Vancouver Island. Uh, the Canadian government uh, had to take care of it because they ordered me into, uh, into Vancouver Island. And then they uh, gave me this exorbitant pilot HP, uh, thinking that they were just going to screw me over. And I said, down no. no. I said, well, you don't understand. If you don't pay this, then you're not going to be able to leave. And I said, no, we're not. We don't have to leave. That's fine. So it became your, your, their problem. And uh, so that's how I retire ships. Yeah. And that is. Uh, is to give them into a final campaign, a one-way trip. Now, what I would do with the Bob Barker is I would head straight to the Faroe Islands, where the Faroe Islands said, if Sea Shepherd brings a ship into our waters, we're going to seize it. Great. Send it to, to the Faroe Islands and uh, have it seized by the Faroese government. Then it becomes their problem. And not only is it their problem, but it focuses attention on that horrific slaughter of uh, pilot whales and dolphins that's taking place there. I mean, we should use these ships right to the very last to get every ounce of publicity over these causes as much as we can. That's what the Bob Barker should be doing. It's, uh, not going to a scrapyard where this all that it has done, all that it has achieved will just be cut up and thrown onto a scrap heap. That's, to me, that's obscene. Well,
0: and I, I hope our listeners are, are hearing this. If you were still being uh, listened to by Sea Shepherd Global and still a, an active member of the board that, you know, was getting the respect, obviously, that you deserve, you would be leading things in a much different way and the bob barker wouldn't be heading to turkey the bob barker would be serving a purpose uh other than heading to the scrap heap so i hope the people in australia are listening to this i hope the people in europe are listening to this and and again i want to be clear because we we did just do a a podcast episode with lamia and we spoke to lamia and all the wonderful work that sea shepherd france is doing uh and, and her support for you paul and um so I, I don't want to you know, paint with a broad brush. Uh, we are talking about just specific parts of these Sea Shepherd organizations that are c- sort of doing their own thing. Uh, but I do think it's really important for our listeners uh, to to understand the truth and to know what, what you, Captain Watson, would do uh, if if you were in charge, as you what should be.
1: Because <laughs> that Sea Shepherd is a movement, and uh, parts of that movement are still doing what – We traditionally did, which is going out there and confronting the opposition and creating controversy and focusing on the problems directly. Uh, So Sea Shepherd France and Brazil and New Zealand and uh, the UK and Austria, that's what they're doing. And uh, I'm hopeful that other Sea Shepherd groups will, you know, also come over and join us to continue, you know, the objectives that Sea Shepherd's been doing for the last 45 years, and not go on with this new approach. You know, they Sea Shepherd U.S. scrapped the White Holly, which was in great shape. You know, mm-hmm. and, and our, we spent thousands of hours, you know, fixing that boat up and getting it sh- uh, ready for sea. And they did an incredible campaign off of Coco's Island, and it could actually serve a purpose of going to these places and removing uh, plastic debris and fishing debris. It was perfectly set up for that. And they they intend instead they intended to scrap it. In fact, one of our former captains offered a quarter of a million dollars for the uh, White Holly you know and he wanted to do just that go around and pull up plastic from the pacific gyre and uh, that was refused his offer was refused and in fe- and instead they sold it as a loss and that was inexplic- inexplicable why would they do that it didn't make any sense and they of course they scrapped the john paul de Jure, they scrapped the sharpie and uh, they sold the uh, the bridge of Bardot. And at the same time, they're putting out uh, on their social networks how they're expanding the fleet. I don't know how you expand the fleet by scrapping your ships.
0: Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so so Paul, I wanted to. Um, I guess this is a new segment to our podcast because we do have uh, listeners, and and you know we've got it's growing uh, with every episode, and so we we sent out um, a message to everybody to let them know that they could. Um, send in a a question. And, you know, we, we've gotten a bunch of questions so far. And so we're just sort of uh, picking, picking them at random, so to speak. Um, So Paul, this is a question from one of our listeners. His name is uh, Tiago. And uh, here's his question, Paul. He says, Dear Captain, light pollution is probably one of the most overlooked of all environmental issues. In the same measure as it's one of the gravest, i.e. turtle hatchlings. Most activists I talk to are surprisingly unaware that the excessive light could be fatal to organisms that evolved for over half a billion years molded by the balance of light and darkness. Would you comment a little about this topic? Thank you so much.
1: Well, we've certainly been aware of that for some time. And in our Operation HIRO campaigns over the years, which specifically focused on protecting turtle nests, uh, that's one of the things that we tried as best we could to address, especially in Florida, where there's a, that's a real problem. And uh, so, yeah, it is a, a major uh, Problem because what happens is the light attracts the hatchlings to go in the completely opposite direction instead of going into the ocean and of course then they, you know, they fall prey to predators, uh, and get lost. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of work, not by many organizations actually, to to get hotels and residences to, uh, you know, cooperate and uh, at a certain time of year and uh, to keep those uh, the lights off at certain uh, times, and uh, so, but it has been a struggle to. Make make people aware of that problem but uh, you know people are becoming slowly becoming aware of it yeah
0: and i I had uh you know i was lucky enough to be able to to go to one of the nesting sites for loggerhead turtles at one of the outer banks uh, islands and that was one of the biggest biggest things and and to this island's credit um they there were a few residents that had bumper stickers that said you know lights out uh, for the for the turtles, because the loggerheads were were nesting there, it was off the coast of North Carolina. Um, but yeah, it does it does require more awareness, and it is you know vital to the survival of sea turtles and other organisms for sure.
1: Of course, with the way the hurricanes are uh, getting increasingly stronger, I doubt there will be people living on the outer banks within ten. <laughs> <Penn. laughs>
0: there you go. That's very true. Very true. well well Paul, um is there anything else that that you wanted to talk about, any updates with the foundation that are uh that are of interest?
1: Well, we have established the Captain Paul Watson Foundation. Uh we have a website right now, uh and we're working right now towards securing uh, uh two ships so that we can begin operations uh in 2023 and addressing campaigns in the way that uh we uh, traditionally did it, which means that we're going to go out there, we're going to confront the opposition, uh, we're going to create controversial campaigns, and we're going to intercept and harass and block and do everything we can to stop their uh, illegal operations.
0: That's very exciting. And I think if folks, because the website was uh, recently uh, redone, and so it looks Fantastic. And if anybody would like to go onto the website, you can get more information. If you would like to uh, become a volunteer and possibly serve on one of uh, the ships, uh, please do go to our website, uh, paulwatsonfoundation.org, and you can do that and uh, become a part of this, this new and exciting movement.
1: And and I do apologize to people who think that well you know it's a little egotistical calling it the Captain Paul Watson Foundation, but after uh, recent events, I found that I had to do something where uh, they won't be able to take it away from me, <laughs> and if it's my it'd be more a little a little more difficult.
0: No, and I, Paul, I I think everyone knows you started Sea Shepherd in 1977. This has been your life's work. Uh, there's no ego with, with you. It's it's all about the whales and it's all about the mission. And I think I think that's why we're getting so many emails. We're getting so many questions for you. We're having so many people listen to the podcast is because you're genuine. I mean, you, you're doing this for all the right reasons. And I think people want to be a part of that. They don't want to be a part of some governmentally uh, owned or enforced uh, organization that uh, you know, is is doing a lot of science and uh not being confrontational. That's not what C Shepherd was meant to be or about, and that's not what you're about. And I think people appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you, Charlie. Yeah,
0: no problem. Well, Paul, uh with that I will let you go because I know you're very busy and Since you mentioned ships, whenever those ships are, you know, whenever we can talk about them or they're ready, please do let me know because I know uh, our listeners would love to hear in detail uh, about these ships.
1: Well, hopefully that'll be really soon.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a good one. Thanks, bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, I want to thank Paul for his time today. It's always great catching up with him. Uh, I did want to mention that If you would like to submit a question like Tiago did, uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, The name is cpwf underscore podcast. And if you look us up on Instagram and send us your question, uh, we might be able to ask Captain Watson your question. Also, uh, please do go to our new website. It is paulwatsonfoundation.org. There you can find uh, lots of different information and the most recent uh, up-to-date stuff on how to volunteer. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by Coretta Coretta.
1: the oceans die, we die.